finding a therapist who looks like you is really, really important because you are going to have resentment on the job. You are going to feel gaslit on the job. A lot of and not just feel, you are going you to You are, exactly. Yes. exactly. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Careerly Talks podcast. My name is Brenda Dogway. I'm the host of this podcast. And today I have the pleasure of um, chatting with Roxanne Francis, who is an award-winning social worker, consultant, leadership speaker, uh, who has been helping people improve their lives for over 15 years. And she is the founder and CEO of Francis Psychotherapy and Consulting Services where she is the principal therapist in her group practice, uh, coaches and supervises other therapists and provides consultation to various organizations, uh, addressing topics such as mental health in the workplace, diversity and inclusion, racial trauma at work, burnout and women's issues. And so Roxanne is also an adjunct professor at the School of Social Work at the University of Toronto. And in 2020, she was recognized as one of Canada's top 100 Black women to watch. So she's a sought after podcast guest who shares her mental health experience in print and online publications such as Essence Magazine and Today's Parent Magazine, as well as multiple local and national media outlets such as CBC, CTV, Breakfast Television. So I'm really privileged to have this conversation with Roxanne today. And we wanted to um, talk a little bit about the issues that are facing uh, Black Canadians. So uh, one of the, what we're going to talk about today is uh, Black mental health and, and therapy. So Roxanne, welcome to the Curiously Talks podcast. And maybe I turn it over to you to share a little bit about your experience around Black mental health and your work supporting um, Black professionals in Canada. Of course, it is my joy and pleasure to be with you, to be on this podcast, you know, as a uh, a Black woman myself, uh, someone who is, I guess you would say, a career woman, it is not lost on me that uh, mental health is a significant issue uh, in, in, in the Black community, especially mm -hmm. people who are in um, professional spaces, who are climbing the corporate ladder, who are in entrepreneurship. Uh, it's challenging. And People are, are just now beginning to recognize that some of the things that they're feeling, some of the things that they're struggling with yeah. is actually related to mental health, right? And people are beginning to realize that some of the microaggressions that they're experiencing at work, some of the, uh, you know, overt racism even that they're facing at work really does impact their mental wellness. And I've spent a lot of time talking about racial trauma or, you know, race-based traumatic stress and how uh, things like microaggressions can chip away at you and wear away at you like, you know, like water drips on 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 a rock after a while yeah. it wears away. And we it's don't know- It's death by a thousand cuts, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And so when I talk to people who are telling me that, you know, they're struggling to fall asleep or they wake up with panic attacks or- they cry on Sunday nights when they know they have to go to work on Monday. Um, that can be experienced by multiple people, not just Black individuals, but we know that Black individuals uh, deal with more when yeah. they go to work. And so I have a real conversation with people around the things that they're facing at work, the struggles that they're facing in the Black community itself, 
you know, you, you're married to a Black individual and you wonder if they're going to come home safely, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're raising boys and you're wondering, I, I'm raising boys and I often wonder when are they going to go from being cute to being seen as a threat, right? right. When that, that preteen, just that, that cusp where they now suddenly they're Black men, exactly. even though they are still children, right? Exactly, exactly, you know, and so these are some of the things the unseen things, the things that we wear in our bodies and on our bodies, in our hearts, right? That really impact our mental wellness that people can't see. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, it's really important that we start to address some of these things so that people can be well. Absolutely. And so um, I think when we spoke, there's a time when we were chatting together and you were sharing how it takes Black immigrants six to seven years to reach their white counterparts. Yeah. Um, how does that then weigh on um, our mental health and then our sense of confidence even? 100%. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it impacts us negatively and, uh, and in, a, in a significant way, right? When you leave a country, depending on how old you are when you leave said country, but when you leave a country and let's say you are, you know, being educated or maybe you've started your career and you have to come to this country to start over, uh, you know, they tell you, come to Canada, it's great, it's wonderful here. But then when you come here and you show someone your CV and they are asking you for Canadian experience when you just got here three weeks ago, it's really, really challenging. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the education that people receive in their home countries is not seen as par, on par with the education systems here, where mm -hmm. we know that to, to not be true. And sometimes the education systems in our origin, countries of origin are sometimes ahead of the education systems here, but yeah. that is not seen as the case. And, uh, you know, people are left without, um, without, without employment. People are being mm -hmm. underemployed in significant ways, but people have to take care of families. Can uh, we talk and, about underemployment, especially yeah. of professionals? Because yeah. for me, it's something, again, that touches not just me kind of like professionally, but personally. One, there's this whole Canadian experience, which is yeah. really code for um, systemic racism. Systemic right? racism. Let's just call right. it what it is. Exactly. And then, and then especially for Black professionals, right? So whether you're coming in, if you're a lawyer, if you're yeah. um, an engineer or whatever yeah. professional cadre that you had, yeah. um, having that just be kind of canceled and you mm -hmm. and the irony of it is that you were attracted to Canada as a professional like a exactly. lot of people skilled professionals exactly. and you get here and it's like just kidding actually <laughs> you right. have to start from scratch right so how does that play out especially like what are you seeing in your clients or even just in your community yeah people feel uh less of themselves people feel you know what's wrong with me why won't they? Why won't they give me the job? Uh, what does that mean for my future? What does that mean for my family? Now I'm I'm seen as a failure. I was this thriving person in my home country. I've brought my family here. Now no one will hire me. I have all these letters behind my name, and now I'm either driving a cab. No shade to people who work these jobs because we need them, right? Yes, but and and they're they're valuable. I think here it's that the skill disconnect between exactly. and the brain. I think they call it the brain waste between yes. engineers right. driving. Right, one hundred percent. I have I have very good friends whose husbands were you know engineers or uh, clinicians and were working in factories, right? Pressing yeah. buttons, right? When they have all this knowledge 
and now they're raising children here and are having trouble uh, buying groceries and it really does play a number a negative number on your psyche because you start to think to yourself how do I provide for my family how will we thrive here Uh, I left uh, a great job house you know, position, status in home country, and here I am, and you can't even afford to buy a loaf of bread. It's really, really, uh, it's demoralizing, right? And so yeah. it's 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 challenging to come up out of that. And so I talk to people all the time around, you know, getting around people who are moving forward, you know, getting around people who used to be where you are, asking them mm-hmm. how they got out of it, you know, can we connect? right? Um, can we meet for a walk, right? And, 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 and get some tips and some strategies, but also finding a place where you can talk about those frustrations. Exactly. Because keeping those frustrations inside, mm-hmm. you know, anger, you know, angry outbursts, yeah. uh, it, it causes uh, friction in marriages, right? Um, and let's know, be I, real too, right? Like not to, not to cut you off on that no, train please. of thought, but it's gendered, right? Like, so yes. again, there's, there's what's happening to our black men, men. in terms of mm. um, the challenges they're facing to break through. Yes. Uh, and then there's the women who often are maybe more adaptable or yes. there's less ego or, you know, you just yes. got to do what you got to do. If you got to feed your family, there's no, you'll take whatever job that you get. Yes. But how does that dynamic kind of play out for black families uh, oh, in terms of that, that just gender dynamic of living through different experiences? Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Many of our home countries as black individuals have this uh, uh, gendered role you know, dynamic, right? And we, with both, with much respect to both parents or, you know, each party, but when we come here, the, the men generally are underemployed or they're not employable or systemic right. racism gets the better of them. And then the women will more likely take on, you know, jobs in fast food outlets or they'll get a PSW certificate or, you know, they, they, they go into these caring fields and they're, it's easier for them to make more money. And right. so now the power differential shifts, right? And, and that yes. can be so challenging. You know, um, maybe before they moved to Canada, the wife was looking to the husband for decision-making, to bringing home most of the money and all of these things. And suddenly the roles shift. That's and so right. that has a, a, a challenge that poses a challenge on the marital dynamic. Uh, on the parenting dynamic as well. Sometimes right. the, the children now look to the mother as the one who is, you know, calling all the shots or wearing the pants, if you will, right? right. And so th- there, there are lots of struggles there. There's a lot of arguments there. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I also recognize is in terms of that six to seven years of uh, playing catch up, what we find is, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to say, I'm not afraid to say it personally, I had to deal with that myself. And what I find now is that where I am in my career, there are some uh, younger colleagues who are ahead. And initially, a few years ago, I would you know, get all up in my feelings and get all you know, upset about that. But then I had to sit down and recognize that they were raised here and they didn't have to deal with the six or seven year setback. That's right. right. And, so, and and perhaps even because their parents had to deal with exactly. the six or seven year setup, it was like, 
it's going to be different for you and which is kind of what we're hoping for our kids too right exactly exactly (laughs) right and so when what I I often say is that for immigrants to this country there is no path laid out ahead of you and so you spend much of your energy and your time with a machete trying to cut that path out right? The blood, the sweat. It's like a bush. You got to kind of work through every single hurdle that's thrown in front of you. People coming behind you. And so the people who are coming behind, they don't have to spend the extra time with the machete. They can just walk clearly in the path that's laid out ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And for people who've been here for generations, um, even um, maybe uh, my white colleagues whose families have been here for longer than my family has certainly, yeah. They not only have a path, but they have, you know, different branches off the path, right? So they have- They can you know, climb on, on, you know what I mean? Latch on and, and exactly. So you're in university, here, sign up over here for this, this, you know, part-time job because cousin such and such has, you know, this big job in this corporation, right? And so for our families who are just arriving or one generation ahead, it's a little bit harder. And so if we are not careful, we can be caught up in resentment. And so we have to be mindful of that as well. That is that is so true. And I, you know, that whole first gen versus new slash old immigrant, mm-hmm. I think is always is always a challenge. And I found um, when we're doing anti-racism work, even at work, um, sometimes for the younger first gens, um, they're like, I don't see a problem. There is not, not that there is no racism, but I'm not facing necessarily the same barriers. Right. And, and then the older immigrants again, um, are burdened with all of the barriers that they've had to face. Mm -hmm. But what I find fascinating is that as you get higher up in terms of leadership, then that's where pretty much the, the, the representation ends yeah. or yeah. at least it, it drives it up means very very drastically yeah and I think that's that's where it almost gets confusing to first gen because they um, might have had it not always again it depends on where they grew up the background the yeah. neighborhood etc but um there's this confusion almost like but I was I was born here right so right. I, I shouldn't have to suffer the same thing so I don't know how you've navigated that space with any clients. Cause I find that's just my observation from, yeah. from the sideline. I, you know, I, th- that phenomenon, you know, I, I've coined it the pale pyramid, right? When you walk into an organization, uh, there's diversity at the entry level uh, positions. There's diversity at the customer service level, right? But uh, as you mentioned, as you go further up in the organization, there are less and less uh black bodies, less and less people of diverse backgrounds. And certainly when you get to the pinnacle, if you manage to get to the pinnacle, it might just be you. And so I talk to a lot of um, career-driven individuals who are, you know, climbing that ladder. I tell them, you have to reach outside of your organization. You have to look into black associations uh, to find other individuals because they're not going to be in your company they're not going to they might not be in your same profession but trust me they're going through the same thing right and so if we are able to get involved in uh different organizations in our community different associations of you know black leaders or even people who are doing community work because there are a lot of leaders doing community work right that's right we will find a lot of um 
camaraderie and we'll yeah. be able to share some of those stories and share tips and find ways to survive together. Yes. And, and that maybe um, as we kind of bring this conversation uh, together, like, mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about black leadership in, in white spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that, that little top of the, the pyramid and how, Again, it can be isolating. You're often, you've never had a Black boss. You're probably the only Black person. You're dealing with microaggressions from the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we navigate that space? It's really important. And here's a little plug for my profession. It's really yes, important please. to, to um, I think, therapy and finding a therapist who looks like you is really, really important because you are going to have resentments on the job. You are going to feel gaslit on the job. A lot of- And not just feel, stuff. you are going you to are, be exactly, gas, gaslit exactly, big right? time. Exactly. Um, a lot of people are facing this glass cliff situation where Can they you hire you- describe that? Yeah, this, it's, it's where they, uh, you know, black individuals are hired um, for these monumental roles, right? but they are given this impossible task to, to, to navigate. And then when individuals are unable to deliver, there is this, oh, see, they couldn't do it. And, right. and that's because they were kind of set up to fail from, exactly. from exactly. the start. Exactly, right? And so um, it's really important to have a space where you can unpack that, right? But again, finding, uh, colleagues who are not necessarily in your organization, yeah. finding someone where you can, because of the gaslighting, right? We need to be able to find someone to say, that happened to you too? That, yes. That, what, what? And yes, I'm not that, crazy. That it's not in your head, but it's that, not that in your head. I'm facing the same thing. Exactly. Even strategize exactly. together. Exactly. And the other thing that I will say to some of my clients who find, who find themselves in this space is you know, there's this idea about, you know, quiet quitting and not right. um, pushing and giving your all. So because, uh, because of all that we have to face in this country, we tend to push and uh, we have, we're going to prove that yeah. Black individuals can do the thing. And I often say, you are going to prove and prove and prove yourself out of your mental wellness. At That's what right. cost? Right. Yes. Who and is that cost benefit? worth it, especially because exactly. who pays if it's not your exactly. family? Right? Exactly. Exactly. So how can we uh, take care of ourselves in the midst of all of that? Uh, right. You have to go to work and you have to do the thing and you're pushing for entrepreneurship and all this, all these wonderful things. But please remember the or the ancestral wisdom, community, taking care of yourself, uh, moving your body, uh, Investing in joy. Yes. Right? And no? joy is resistance, right? Because resistance. I think everybody's 100%. expecting us to have that sob story, the trauma porn, you know, as some right. have called it. It's the, yes. it's that being defiant, not just, and I'm going to prove myself, I'm going to do more and more and more, but it's mm -hmm. that, no, I'm going to fill my cup. Yes. I'm going to be joyful. So what are some of the ways that, that we can do it? And I know therapy is important. And even for me personally, um, one of the things that I did in choosing a therapist was like, I don't want to have to explain racism exactly. to my therapist. I just exactly. want to be able to say, they said X and, yes, you, and you get it. Get it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what are some of the ways that we can focus on building the wellness cup? 
because yeah. I, I think we're, especially for black people and black women, mm-hmm. um, we're so used to being the strong black woman doing, 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 and having so much piled on us and us mm-hmm. taking so much on. So mm-hmm. how do we, um, how do we make sure that we're filling our cups? I say, you know, if we took the opportunity to look back at, you know, where we're from originally, because we are people of, of struggle, because just of how the world is, is, is the world system, right? So yeah. even in our- And anti-Black country, racism, unfortunately, is universal. It, it's universal. Right. But our people have found ways to thrive. And when I look yes. at our histories, I have found uh, uh, wonderful survival mechanisms in dance. Yes. And music and our meals. Community. Community. (laughs) Exactly. When we get together over a pot of whatever the meal is, we turn some music up, there is joy for days. Yes. Right? Um, Connecting with the children, uh, you know, uh, regaling uh, the stories of our youth, uh, the folklore, right? All of those pieces, if we look to our, our heritage, mm-hmm. right? There's some really great lessons there about how to take care of ourselves. And if yeah. we uh, extend our hands and hold on to each other, yes. we're going to get there. Our unity is literally our strength, right? Like without being cliche, um, it's really what what helps us pull through. Um, maybe one of the last things I wanted us to talk about is around, you know, coming back to Black men mm-hmm. and Black me- male mental health. Because I mm-hmm. think as women in general and as Black women, we always know how to find community, create yes. community yes. where it isn't there, right? So um how can we better support our Black men to take better care of their mental health? Because it's almost a double whammy. There's a lot that's stacked against them. Mm-hmm. And then just them being men and then them as Black men, they might not. it might not be as intuitive to either seek therapy or even be um, open up in community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. It really is. I think uh, we have to encourage them to start talking in some way. Yes. And for men, as you mentioned, we are so great at creating community. Men tend to do things together, right? And yes, it creates true. that bond. So whether that's some kind of sporting event or they go fishing or they go for a drive or they go to the car show, whatever that thing is, men tend to do things together and that creates that bond. And right. that is often the space where sometimes when there's a lull in the conversation, there can be a little bit of, inserting some of those those pieces. Uh, so we have to uh, encourage the creation, creating of those spaces. Uh, if you are coupled with a Black man, you know, in the quiet moment, ask the question, right? Um, just really check in. Uh, men are not usually willing to just come out and say, this is what's going on. And they won't say I'm struggling or right. I'm scared or I'm, you know, so we have to read kind of in between the lines right? and and, right. and be creative and then, you know, meet them where they're at. I think Re- there's an Meet them where they are. But right. also too, if you, again, if you are in a relationship with a Black man, uh, offering softness, mm. I think is really, really crucial. We live in such a world- Elaborate on that. This is, that's, that sounds so interesting. Can you elaborate a little bit on yeah, offering Yeah, of course. Of course, we're always having to be hard in our world just to survive, right? And they have to be hard, right? They need a space where they feel like 
they don't need to be hard all the time or they're not receiving that harshness right yeah. and so if they come home so to speak you know and uh they're meeting uh harshness the harsh tone the the, the arguments the frustration mm-hmm. then they're going to get their back up and they're unlikely to unpack with us right yes. but and even open talk- up on what was out there like the day exactly. that they really exactly exactly yeah. and so even though as women we have our own frustrations if we are able to provide a soft space mm, right if we are able deep. to provide you know a space where someone can rub their heads and just say you know what's going on yeah. right then they are more willing to to share the the fears that they have Absolutely. the worries that they have um but they do need that 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 because when where else do our black men have a soft Mm, that is tr- so true like oh my gosh like now now I'm like oh shoot yeah. oh, snap. <laughs> homework but, but there are people too yes, and they, they need are. it and that soft space doesn't have to be public it can be at nighttime just before you fall asleep yeah it can be you know late at night when you're you know cleaning up the kitchen when the kids are in bed whatever it is mm-hmm. but you know really just a quiet check-in Yes. Right. How is it really going? That that boss that you were struggling with, how's how's that going? Right. And you know, now that I now that you're saying it, like even to our children, like yes. I think we <laughs> black mothers, right? Yes. Like you gotta be hard and harsh because the world is hard and harsh. But being able to also offer because the world is not always as soft for mm-hmm. our children either, right? Yeah. Um, and so being able to offer that place where they can be just nurtured and be um, is so important. Yes, yes. And the world doesn't expect us to be soft. No, it doesn't. The world expects us to live up to that 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 story. Hard, harsh. Right? You can take more and more and more on. Exactly. So, exactly. so where can folks find you? Because this conversation is great. We have to have a part two. But, but where can <laughs> folks find you? People can find me on uh, the internet at www.francispsychotherapy. I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Francis Psychotherapy, and you can just also search my name on LinkedIn. I am all over these interwebs. <laughs> nice, nice. And you serve clients across Canada. So I imagine you do also take on virtual clients. Yes. So I see clients virtually. Um, we are working on a brick and mortar space in, in the Toronto area, oh, but yeah. I do have a, a team. There's currently myself and five other clinicians, and nice. we see people we see a lot of Black clients, but we also see clients of different ethnicities yes, yes. <laughs> as well. And um, we support all kinds of mental health issues, uh, anxiety, depression, stress, burnout, you name it, we support it. Nice. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed having you on. Um, I, I think we also need to have a Black businesswoman conversation. Here we go. At some yes. point. <laughs> yeah, because again, what is it like to, to, to set up a business and, and, and grow it? Um, so that's a conversation for another time. But yeah, thank you so much for today. And, and I really look forward to um, having more conversations with you. For sure. Thank you.